Welcome to Season 5 of the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom, where we talk with enterprise and technology platform leaders about the people, processes, and platforms that make marketing and customer experience successful, scalable, and sustainable. This is what creates an Agile brand. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom, advisor and consultant for Fortune 1000 marketing and CX leaders and teams as principal and chief strategist at GK5A and best-selling author, keynote speaker, entrepreneur, and Agile certified coach. The Agile Brand Podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full-stack technology services, talent services, and real-world application. For more information, go to teksystems.com. To sign up for the Agile Brand newsletter and get the latest insights and articles on marketing technology and CX, or to purchase a copy of my latest book, House of the Customer, go to gregkillstrom.com. You can also find all my books on Amazon and other retailers. And now on to the show. Welcome to a special episode of the show brought to you in partnership with Arlington Economic Development, where we discuss issues related to the workforce, the role of place in the future of work, and the role of the creative sector in a larger business context. We call this return on creativity. Today, we're going to talk about artificial intelligence and machine learning in the enterprise, where it is today and where it's currently headed, as well as the role of place in building talented data and technology teams. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome Scott Love, founder and CEO of Lovelytics. Scott, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks a lot, Greg. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, looking forward to talking about all this with you. Um, Why don't we get started with you giving a little background on yourself, as well as a little bit about what Lovelytics does. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to. So my name is Scott Love. Uh, I'm the CEO and founder of Lovelytics. So Lovelytics is a data analytics and AI consulting firm. We are based in Arlington, Virginia. And saying that, we have team members across the U.S. and also a team in Toronto as well. Um, As an organization, we essentially help companies use data and AI to better their business, right? So we primarily do this through custom consulting engagements where we understand the business problems that companies are looking to take on. We translate those into technical solutions that typically uh, evolve around data engineering, machine learning, AI, and and other data technologies. Uh, And then we essentially help these organizations implement that and deploy it so that it can be useful long-term for them. As of last week as well, we're we're private equity backed uh, from an investment perspective, which is definitely exciting as well. Yeah, and congrats on that. (laughs) Hey, thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. So yeah, let's let's get started here. So um, you know, certainly AI and machine learning have been getting a lot of attention lately. I feel like I'm almost required by law to mention ChatGPT <laughs> in every uh, conversation that I have. But um, you know, you've been certainly working in in the space uh, for a while. Um, so what what do you think happened to cause so much attention so quickly? And when really, you know, AI has been around for for decades. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think you already said it, right? I think ChatGPT happened uh, to right, most right. of these orgs and to people, right? And they're t- exactly like you said. I mean, data science, AI, ML, you know, whatever buzzword we want to use has definitely been around for a long time. But I think so few people were exposed to the technology outside of, you know, high tech companies or, or individuals that were in those roles. And so as that technology has progressed, and especially with ChatGPT, like, people were able to see the value of generative AI every single day and in their personal life, right? Obviously in work, people are using it to you know, write blog posts or other items and they're seeing how much time they can save and the value that it can provide. But on the other end, you know, people are Googling, oh, what's the best way for the Browns to win the Super Bowl, for example, you know, different right. things individually 
that they're going in and just asking questions and amazed by the outcomes that are there that you know maybe that, that level of technology hasn't been available forever but you know a certain level of it has been at large enterprise uh, which is now very cool I, I think what's most exciting about it is it just democratized this technology to the world right and these tools are available to everybody whether they want to use them for commercial uses or they want to use them for individual uses it's just uh, an incredible technology that got put in the hands of the right of everybody yeah, yeah. And so, you know, as, as you mentioned, you know, the, the generative AI that get, getting a lot of attention there, but you know, what areas of AI are you most excited about? And how does this relate to the work that you do for your customers? Yeah, you know, what's what's interesting is really with the release of ChatGPT, as we talk to our customers, like generative AI or just AI in general skyrocketed to the top of everyone's discussion list, everyone's priority list. How can we use it? Obviously, it's helping to drive valuation of a lot of companies that are using it effectively. And so it uh, definitely is of interest to a lot of organizations uh, like me. Like, obviously, the, the LLMs or essentially what ChatGPT is, is really what excites me the most, probably like the rest of the world. Right. I think the reason that it excites me is much more around the amount of time savings we can have for people and not only the time savings that goes into it, but the higher quality outputs that also come out of it. So we're not just taking a task that used to take a day and it now takes a minute. It's also producing what would be a higher quality output than what we would have seen in the past. So to me, that's really you know what's exciting. And then applying that to a multitude of customer use cases that we have. Right. For example, uh, let's say we do some work in the retail and consumer goods space. So let's say you're a product company, you have a ton of user reviews, you have a ton of client feedback that you've received about your individual product. Historically, these type of projects may be centered around doing some sort of sentiment analysis. Maybe they centered around looking for individual keywords that you were looking to do. You'd pull those out. You tried to do an analysis on thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of reviews. Now with LLMs, we essentially can take that data, we can summarize it, and we can put it into a usable data format. So now these companies are able to like really genuinely analyze the feedback that they're getting and summarize it, and it takes you know, a fraction of the time that it would have taken in the past. So to me, those types of use cases are, are amazing just because of the time savings and the quality that we can drive at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, so certainly there's a lot of, hype, you know, well-deserved and and sometimes hype <laughs> with AI. Yeah. And, and, you know, you mentioned some great use cases and, and, and things like that. But, you know, what are what are businesses not paying enough attention to? Or maybe what are some opportunities that you think that businesses are missing out on? Yeah, I think that's, that's a really good question. So, the, I, you know, in the data and analytics in the AI space that we've been playing in for a while, you know, I always talk to everybody about the really fun use cases that we do, right? We're predicting revenue from music artists or we're driving in-game player decisions for professional sports teams. Like those are the things everyone loves to talk about, but whether it's AI or ML or just business intelligence dashboarding, like the thing a lot of these companies are missing is that they don't have that foundational data infrastructure that allows them to utilize these technologies. And when I say foundational data infrastructure, I'm talking about taking, you know, however many data sources a company has, let's say they have a CRM system, a finance system, a, you know, a, an EHR system for a hospital, whatever it may be, putting all of that into some sort of centralized location 
that we know is governed so that the data in there is accurate, that it's updated automatically, and that it's made available to users. And so many companies today are still reliant, heavily reliant on Excel. So many companies are heavily reliant around old technologies, you know, on-premise databases, things along these lines. And why that's important when we talk about AI in the same way that we've talked about other breakthrough technologies in the past is these companies aren't going to be able to effectively utilize it if their data is not in a good spot, if it's not clean, if it's not organized. And so these companies that historically have spent a lot of time, right, they've implemented modern data technologies like a, a Databricks, for example, they've spent the time to create processes and internally to clean this data and they made it available. They're going to be able to use AI. They're going to be able to use ML, everything off the bat. The companies that have not done that, you know, we're, they're really starting behind the eight ball here, right? Where really they need to be able to come in. They now have to do that foundational work and likely have to greatly accelerate it. And then they can start using these technologies. And by then, you know, some of them are going to get left behind. So that really is something that I think goes, you know, is not discussed enough with these technologies is how many companies are not at the level that's really required to use it effectively. I mean, would you say then that's really the foundational step is just getting that the, the data house in order, so to speak? Oh, absolutely. For sure. Yeah. And, you know, as it relates to our business, I mean, we're definitely doing a lot of ML and AI, but we're doing way more foundational data work that's there simply because there's a larger number of companies that just don't have that ready. What's the most exciting piece is once you get that ready, you know, the work that we're doing around talking with companies about how to use LLMs, how to use AI, like really future vision casting a lot of that information. That's what excites me today, because I think there's so many use cases and so many opportunities that companies aren't thinking of that our team can pull from our experience or you know, work that we've done elsewhere. Before we continue, let's take a quick break. If you're like many marketing leaders today, you're inundated with a need to improve the customer experience across an increasing number of channels and touch points, all while ensuring your team is performing well, innovating, and continuously improving. So how do you find the time to determine what's next for you, your team, your brand, and your customers? My company, GK5A, can help. Whether it is advisory services, evaluation of marketing technology platforms and solutions, or digital agencies and implementation partners, or assistance with creating strategic roadmaps and prioritization of efforts, we've done it all and served as an ally to Fortune 1000 brands and industries like financial services, healthcare, consumer electronics, professional services, and more. You can learn more about these services and contact us at www.gk5a. That's www.gk5a.com. Now let's get back to the show. So in, in addition to all of those, those great possibilities with data and with, with AI, there's also many potential challenges beyond even just, you know, getting, getting those foundational steps in place. So, you know, this could be ethics, it could be security or other things. How do you approach some of these challenges with your customers? Yeah, uh, this is definitely front and center to a lot of the discussions we're having today. Like starting with the ethics side, I mean, there's everyone is talking about this right now, right? And I don't think there's a right or, yeah. or a wrong answer. I think it's something we definitely need to be cognizant of. And us as an organization in particular, making sure we're working with businesses that are doing the right thing and making sure that we don't get put, you know, don't put ourselves into a compromising situation is obviously critical and something we're, we're well aware of. But 
you know, beyond the the ethics piece, which is again very very important in these discussions, the biggest challenge I would say we face on a day to day basis is much more around security. I know there was a really popular article or, or news story that came out a little while back about some Samsung employees that entered some proprietary code into Chat GPT, and mm. you know that made it theoretically available to the public. Um, you yeah. know that. Those types of discussions are things our customers are very concerned about, right? Yes, there's incredible power with these technologies, but there's also incredibly sensitive information that's there. And I think that security risk is is real in certain situations. I think there's other times where, you know, maybe it's just bigger companies have to take some time to feel good about the new technology. You know, we saw that with cloud migrations, for example, when companies were so hesitant to move to the cloud where... You're going to see, you know, healthcare and, and finance industries probably move a little bit slower because of the sensitivity of a lot of their data. Where, let's say, media and other, you know, gaming companies, for example, that are probably going to be leveraging these much faster, just partly because of of how they operate as a a business. So the security piece uh, definitely is something we see a lot, and we see as something that needs to be addressed uh, on every engagement for sure. Yeah. However, like, there are a lot of interesting solutions coming out to address this. Like, for example, one of our, our technology partners and investors, Databricks, they have a tool called Dolly. And Dolly is essentially a specific LLM product for an organization. So this will allow companies to essentially train their own internal models to be specific to their business. This significantly you know, eases security concerns because it's inherently internal but more importantly, it also curates it and customizes it to a business's need. So things like that, I think we'll, we'll see much more of moving forward. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So speaking of, of Databricks, and you know, you had mentioned that you're now uh, private equity backed as well. I wanted to talk about some recent announcements that Lovelytics has had. So Interlock Equity, private, e- private equity firm uh, recently invested, as well as Databricks Ventures. Um, can you talk a little bit about this and, you know, what's what's the impact that this is going to have on the business? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're really, really excited about this news, right? I mean, we've talked a lot about um, AI already on this discussion, but like this drive in the significant increase in needs of our customers for AI, for ML, I mean, it just inherently is great for business on our side, but you know, really drives a lot of demand. And so we were lucky enough to find two great partners that, that you mentioned in Interlock and Databricks Ventures who believed in the vision we have for the company and really want to be part of our team. And so what this does for our business is a myriad of things, right? One of those is accelerating and expanding our investment uh, in AI and data science, in ML, uh, both on the services front, but then also in products and solutions that we feel that we can develop as an organization. We also will you know, expand our team, like a lot of uh, private equity investments. This helps with accelerating the pace at which we bring new team members on. We bring in folks that can really help us continue to scale this business. As it relates to us in particular, you know, we're looking at uh, much more industry-specific expertise. So being able to apply the technical solutions we have to really specific business use cases in real money gaming, in healthcare, in financial services, you know, other industries that we know um, are places we have deep expertise in and want to double down on that. Uh, we want to continue to expand our, our sales team to you know, work with more organizations that are out there. We want to keep adding more technical experts on our team to continue to deploy top quality work to the customers we work with. And, and really lastly, and, and most importantly, is 
you know, as a consulting firm, we're a people business, right? So people are essentially buying our team members' expertise and thought leadership as our product. And so this investment also allows us to invest back into our team. So that revolves around you know, training, that can be more benefits, that can be uh, company events, you know, other things that we just want to make sure our company continues to be an attractive place to work and one where the culture is really front and center and trying to do things a little bit differently than, than traditional consulting has in the past. So we're, again, really, really excited about the investment. We're lucky to have two great partners and uh, you know, should really lead to a lot of fun growth and opportunities on our side. That's great. That's great. Yeah. And c- c- congrats again on that. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So uh, one, one last thing I wanted to talk about is the role of location in your business. So, you know, as you mentioned, you're headquartered in Arlington, Virginia. You also have, like many other companies, have remote employees um, all over. Uh, the world has obviously changed a lot over the last several years in, in relation to the workplace. Uh, so, you know, hybrid, remote, all, all of the above becoming more prevalent. How do you look at location and how how much does location still factor into how you build your company? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, so you're, you're spot on. The world has definitely changed a little bit in the past couple of years. <laughs> it's probably an understatement, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we went from 90% of our team, you know, being in office for the most part every day in Arlington here to having... You know, let's, let's call it 50% of our team in the Arlington area, and then the rest spread out across the U.S. and Canada. So for me as a, you know, a small business owner and someone who you know, really have to, has to have a huge emphasis on culture, that was really first and foremost of a lot of what we tried to focus on, that hey, someone who's living in Texas, for example, and working with us who may not get to see people from the company on a monthly or even quarterly basis, like how do we make them feel part of the team? We put a huge emphasis on really trying to make sure our virtual team members have opportunities to come to Arlington to visit the team or to other offices to bring people together in different cities, do virtual events and things like that. But as it relates to Arlington, like where we're headquartered, you know, we really have a lot of advantages being here. Like I I can't sing enough praises about how great Arlington has been to me as a, a business owner and just someone who uh, has started and invested in the area in terms of adding jobs and you know, investing in the ecosystem around here, they've been incredible partners. So one thing I think of is just hiring local talent and building a hub of people. Like really, Arlington is incredible at the amount of talent nearby. And a lot of that is a factor of just the other great companies that have moved into Arlington, right? And that also plays a role from a business perspective. Like with Arlington bringing in Amazon and Gerber and Nestle and you know, all these different organizations that are coming here that are very attractive to people, it increases the pool of talent. It also increases the pool of opportunities for us to work with local large enterprise organizations where we're just down the street from their headquarters, you know, really is, is an exciting time. So it, really the two things, having a great talent pool that allows us to continue to hire locally, that obviously makes culture and, and everything a lot easier if you have a lot of people in a centralized hub. And then from a business perspective, you know, just really allows us to have some opportunities with large enterprises that are local to us here. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Well, Scott, uh, thanks so much for joining the show. Uh, one last question before we wrap up here. Uh, you've given a lot of great advice already as we're talking about um, AI and how companies should approach it. But, you know, what's maybe one piece of advice for organizations that feel like they may need to catch up in their AI maturity or their data maturity in the, in the months ahead? 
Yeah, I'd say my, my number one piece of advice is, is going back to what we discussed with me a little bit earlier is that foundational data infrastructure. Like if you don't have it today, making sure it's the top priority of what you're looking to get done as soon as possible so that you're not left behind with a lot of this AI technology. And if you do have it today, making sure that you have a clear plan on how to use LLMs and AI and everything else that you know really is uh, at the forefront of these amazing technologies. So, you know, really appreciate you having me on as a guest, Greg, and, you know, amazing podcast, really a big fan. And um, yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, wonderful. Thanks so much. And again, I'd like to thank Scott Love, founder and CEO of Lovelytics for joining the show. You can learn more about Scott, Lovelytics and Arlington County economic development by following the links in the show notes. Thanks again for listening to the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom podcast brought to you by Tech Systems. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can access more episodes of the show at www.gregkilstrom.com. That's G-R-E-G-K-I-H-L-S-T-R-O-M.com. To get a copy of my latest book, House of the Customer, visit my website or you can find it on Amazon or other retailers. The Agile brand is produced by Missing Link, a Latina-owned, strategy-driven, creatively-fueled production co-op. From ideation to creation, they craft human connections through intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Until next time, stay agile.